0: Let's talk to interesting people. Let's talk about the process of seeing things differently. Let's talk about the craft of molding truth and fiction together to arrive at something new and exciting. And let's have fun while doing it. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the True Fiction Podcast where we talk with talented creative people and find out where their inspirations come from. I'm your host, Patrick Boggs. Across the desk for me is a phenomenally creative Norbert Yates. How's it going tonight,
0: Norbert? Well, I'm just beating back one of the uh, deadly plagues and I'm feeling much better now. I'm ready to go. You can hear it in your voice
1: a little bit, so hopefully uh, you're on the mend. Oh, yeah, I am. Tonight we have a great guest. Our guest tonight is an author, screenwriter, actor, and comedian. True Fiction welcomes James Bailey. Welcome <sighs> to the show.
2: Bravo. <laughs> How's it going tonight, James? A Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller by James Bailey. Keep that in your brain. I hear
1: get. that's really good, actually. I hear that's a good book.
2: <laughs> well, Mel Brooks has got a great blurb, and so does Larry Hankins. So, yeah, so. We Mel's love those
1: guys. Put, those guys aren't going to lead you wrong. They're not going to steer you wrong. So,
2: Well, you want to hear a good Mel Brooks story, how I met him. So yeah. Check in the book. So I'm an actor, and I'm sneaking in all the studios. This is before they had the stalkers and all the, you know, really dangerous type people. And what I would do, I would wait for lunch, you know, all the suits would go leave for lunch and then come back. And I would get in line with them and ask them the time. So the guards assumed I was, you know, part of the deal. (laughs) So, so I'm doing that every other day and and, uh, I'm trying to meet people to help my career. Right. So anyway, I keep doing this. And finally, one day I'm walking around and I hear somebody yelling at me from behind and, uh, can you curse on this show? I, I don't know. Sure, okay. you can. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. So, I, so anyway, I heard somebody from behind me go, Who, are you fucking insane? <laughs> so, like, well, I can't be afraid. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I turn around, it's Mel. it's Mel Brooks. Wow. He says, I go, uh, no, I'm not insane. I'm trying to help my career, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, you're here every fucking day. You got the same clothes on, which is true. I had a $50 suit hollywood Boulevard, and he said if if i notice this security is going to notice right he was trying to be friendly he said don't come back so i pretended like i left and i just snuck around kept doing what i was doing (laughs) so true story next day i get a call from charlie's angels for an audition you know legitimate pass all that so i thought it's a big studio fox i'll never see mel so good you know so I'm walking in the freaking studio, here comes Mel in this Rolls Royce, and he sees him, he just shakes his head like, oh, what the hell, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I run over there, Mel, I gotta pass, I'm legitimate. He goes, well, tuck your fucking shirt in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we became friends in a more bizarre way. Wow, you know? that is awesome. Yeah, so there you go, on that story. So my book is full of encounters, you know.
1: di like OCD bookseller. yes. Very cool. Now, have you ever got to work with Mel?
2: Well, you know, I actually, Mel told me to start writing screenplays, you know. He said, well, if you write a screenplay, then you have some power. You know, they have to put you in the movie, right? Oh, cool. So I started writing screenplays, and at first, Mel wouldn't read him. He said, well, I don't read unsolicited material, you know, the old Hollywood gag, you know, dig or whatever. And finally, after a while, he said, all right, Jim, we got a relationship now. I'll read your freaking script, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So he read it, and he goes, Jim is brilliant, you know. About thank you. Let's do a movie then. You're Mel Brooks, and I never forgot that. I don't do Jim Bailey's freaking movies. I do Mel Brooks's movies. You no, know. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I, but he did send it to Dolly Parton or somebody. She had a production company, so he tried to help me. But I get his point now because now I have people coming up to me. Oh, I got this great idea for a book. I I do Jim Bailey's books, not freaking John Smith. <laughs> so I learned my lesson there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you was doing acting and you started writing screenplays. Was that a difficult thing to get into? Was that a, you know, is it just like a duck to water? Was it, you know, writing is, is, can be difficult. And, and I was wondering how you, how you sort of got into it. What was the challenges? What was, what was easy? What was hard?
2: Well, that's, that's a good question because, you know, if you really go to a good movie, right. And you're walking out the movie and you're thinking to yourself, how would that freaking guy in 90 minutes write a complete story? I mean, 90 minutes. Think about it. You know, everything comes together in 90 or an hour, whatever. You know. So you, there's a certain talent to that. Right. So I started thinking that way. I got 90 minutes to tell something, you know. So I had that kind of in my brain when I started writing. So that's kind of how I think.
0: When you're writing all that kind of stuff, do you, when you're writing characters, is it like encounters that you've had in real life that you try to put in your, in your stories, or do you make up characters? Or do you see these interesting characters in in a laundromat or at the coffee (laughs) store and you go, or a coffee shop and you go, ah, that personality, this is what I believe they would be. And this is how I'm going to make, I'm going to put a version of them in my screen.
2: That's a good good question because Mel called me many years ago. (laughs) I was laying in my car, and Mel said, "Where in the hell you're riding at?" I said, "I'm in a fucking laundromat." So, <laughs> when you ride a laundromat? So. No. What happened is I've had such a w- w- weird life. I mean, I'll give you a good story. I, I, this isn't my new book. I was driving from Louisiana to L.A., and I picked. I went to a rest stop. And there was this guy. He weighed about 400 pounds, right? And he' dirty looking. He had, you know, street homeless looking guy. But he had Jesus loves you, you know. I'm always a sucker for Jesus loves you. <laughs> so anyway, I gave him a few bucks, and I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I told him, and he told me somebody stole his glasses and stole his Bible, and, and you know, oh, I never heard him my stealing a Bible before, but, <laughs> you know, God's whatever. So anyway, whatever the freaking reason, he's going to San Diego. I'm headed to L.A. Next thing you know, he's in my car. You know, I didn't think this out. (laughs) Wow. So I drive about 10 miles, and it stinks so bad I can't drive. So I stuck my head out the window. (laughs) I start driving like that. So finally I said, hey, dude, you got to get out. And he says, I'm not getting out. (laughs) So, (laughs) So that's kind of the story of my life. I get in these kind of situations. So I told the guy. Okay, so I kept trying to drive, pulled so my head out the window, and finally I just couldn't do it. I pulled over. I said, "You got to get your fucking ass out of my fucking car," you know, because I have a bad temper anyway. So the guy cussed me out of course, and you know, I get you know. So anyway, finally I get him out of the car, and I start driving, feeling better. And I thought, he stole my fucking glasses. So there, you go. there you go. A story of my life. So, but getting back to his, your other friend's question there. One day I was in Louisiana at a park, and there was these two Cajun guys. You know Cajuns? Sure. <laughs> they talk like this and that, you know, the food. So these two guys were contradicted. Oh, you stole my food said. No, the trailer burned your food. You know, blah, blah, blah. And they kept going back and forth. I thought, they're going to be in my books. They're one of my books. And, and so the, to his point, yes, they're in my new, uh, in the middle book. almost That type of people, you know, that I run into. Since I had such a weird life, you know, on the road and <laughs> living in my car. You know, you, you meet a lot of interesting people. Like that.
1: When did you decide you wanted to be in entertainment?
2: Well, that's a good question. I was about 28, and I was, this is a true story, unfortunately. I was I was in, a, in Vail, Colorado in the summer, and I was basically an alcoholic, and I literally got kicked out of every bar in that town one summer. And this is <laughs> the sheriff of uh, Vail, the chief of police, told me, You gotta be out of here by five o'clock. You know, it, it was like a movie, like, <laughs> I'm gonna be out of town. So, you know, I start thinking I'm walking down that hitchhiking, trying to get out. And I thought, you know, I got to get something. You know, this is, you know, my life is, you know what I mean? I'm just so that I don't know how, but I stumbled upon some movie about James Dean. And I thought, well, that guy's screwed up and he's insecure and all these things. I'm all that stuff and more. <laughs> so I just took off for Hollywood. That's how it happened. I went wow. to acting school. Yeah. Oh, so you it's did? Pretty crazy. Yeah. That motivated me to get into something, you know.
1: James, you were. You strike me at so one of the things with me and my and my creativity, I, I'm a little bit. Um, I have a hard time sometimes. I have that imposter syndrome. You know, I have that a hard time basically feeling if I'm, you know, I'm good enough to do this. You, I don't think you have that problem, do you? You seem like you. That's amazing that you just would go like well, you know, might as well go to Hollywood and, you know, yeah, see know. what's going on out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a story to sell. <laughs> that's another cool... You know, on the way, I, I went through Lake Tahoe and I snuck into this tennis tournament and uh, ended up getting a job as a dishwasher <laughs> on the way to Hollywood. And I met Clay Eastwood. I snuck oh out. Oh, my god you know, Yeah, and he, he's a very nice man, so that... Shit, I, yeah, it was meant to be. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: amazing. That yeah, my so whole cool. life seems
2: so bizarre like it was somebody else, you know? <laughs> you
1: know? How did you, like, Mel Brooks kind of helped you in a way, got you, you know, you got kind of befriended you a little bit in the studio and stuff. So when did you start uh, producing, like, being, you know, acting and producing scripts?
2: Well, let's see now. After I, had, I had OCD really bad. You know, I'm like, like severe. That wasn't my first book was about called Man Interrupted. And I had it so bad. I started living with homeless people pretending to be homeless at that time. Face my fear of germs because they're not big on hygiene. Oh, wow. Okay. So I would shake their hand and walk around. I mean, it's crazy now I think about it. And then I had this irrational fear of drugs. Irrational. Somehow I thought if a guy was high, could be high, and I walked by him, I might get high. Wow. That's why I said irrational. (laughs) So so once I walked by that guy, I'd have to run to the bathroom and wash my hands and face. And then I had to open the door with my foot because I (laughs) I get germs on my foot. So anyway, that's why maybe Sandler almost did the movie version. I don't know. But even more bizarre, I started hanging around drug dealers. Okay. (laughs) Pretending to be a drug addict. You know, face my fear of drugs. So wow. one day, Squiggles, the head drug dealer, <laughs> he says to me, "Jim, you talk about drugs all the time, but we've never seen you do drugs." I'm like, "Oh, fuck!" And I'm, a, they think I'm a narc. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's surreal. <laughs> so now they're chasing me. I end up, anyway. I, it was a lot. Weird <laughs> story, but so that's in my first book, which was optioned three times for a movie. Wow. But never actually got you never got I made some money, but it never actually got made you know,
1: but you but seriously though, you've never done drugs
2: no no <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did drugs like I smoked a joint about uh, about a year ago because I had never did it in years, and I was curious why all these people in l a always smoke it, and i you know I'm not afraid of anything like I was, you know sure. And I thought, well, it just made me feel weird and uncomfortable. So I thought, well, I don't need to worry about doing that <laughs> <laughs> anymore. So, yeah, so no.
0: <laughs> Got that out of my One thing that I, I find really fascinating as, as you're talking here, I think one of the things that people – Like our shtick, so to speak, is creativity. And one of the things that I think artistically people tend to get hung up on is being afraid, afraid of trying new things, afraid of doing things, uh, afraid of putting themselves out there, just any number of things. And you have faced all that sort of stuff and done incredible things. I was just wondering, you said you had to face your fears. How? I mean, how do you, how did you motivate yourself to do that and actually do it? Because I think there's some real insight in there. Absolutely.
2: Well, you know, I actually, was at a hospital in California, not a psychiatric hospital, but they had, you know, but you had to be in at 10 o'clock and whatever. So they would, I would sneak off on my own and do all that crap, you know, <laughs> cause they wouldn't want you to be killed by drugs. <laughs> Let's make the hospital look bad. Right. You know? But I finally told one of the psychiatrists, he said, you know, Jim or James, you can't be doing that. You know, you're going to, you know, it's dangerous. And I said to him, life's passing me by. I, I got to take risks. You know, if I don't beat it now, it's, it's not going to happen. I'll be dead in a year or something. Oh, wow. So I was the only patient there that got better because I took risk, you know, more than anybody <laughs> imagined. You know, I kind of use that anyway. Like if, say, I'm in uh, Malibu and I see all these suit guys and they look like they're too good to talk to me, right? So I say to myself, well, they're going to be rude to me if I walk up and give them my card about reading my books or something. And then I say, well, screw them, you know. (laughs) i make a fool of myself, so what, you know. So I go up there and I always, you know, a little psychology, I always make myself. Wow. So anybody out here, don't be afraid. (laughs) Do You know, just watching this.
0: How do you balance like when you're when you're writing, you're obviously you have like these really eclectic kind of stories and engagements that, yeah, that, are, that are very Yeah. Yeah. And how do, how do you uh, like flow a story together? How do you think about it? Do you do you want to have like peaks and valleys worth that? You know, you have normalcy and then you have something kind of crazy happen. How do you put together writing a story?
2: That's a good question. I'll give you a good example. In my book, I have so many – Kenny Johnson, who's a friend of mine, who's an actor on SWAT. I don't know if you watch SWAT. one of the main guys. So he has a chapter in my book, and then the next chapter, like you said, that's one normal kind of interaction. The next chapter is the bearded lesbian. So I try to go from one extreme to the other. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I remember reading a, a thing that um, Schwarzenegger was asking James Cameron to review his movie. And I think it was the end of days. And he was talking about how it, it he goes, Whoa, that's just more dark and more dark. And he goes and Schwarzenegger was, was like, Oh, that's what I wanted. And Cameron was talking about how you really want peaks and valleys in your stories. You want want it to have a sort of a rhythm to it. You don't want it to be on one note because after a while that note gets boring. Right. It's a well, he knows. <laughs> that's what I always think about.
2: Yeah, he knows.
1: Not,
2: <clears throat> James is no fool.
1: You know? Yeah, he's a master, isn't he?
2: Mel Brooks won an Oscar for writing, so I listen to him as well, you know.
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> look, look, I I you know, what I was raised on Mel Brooks. I, you know, that's been we we've quoted Mel Brooks my life, you know, forever, all of the movies, you know, so you can't go wrong with a friend like that. You know what I'm saying when you're when you're uh screenwriting.
2: Well, you know, Mel actually said to me recently Jim, don't you ever get freaking tired of using my name? (laughs) Which I I do. I said, No. (laughs) He says, Well, you got OCD. You can't help yourself. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It is what it is. (laughs) Well, hey, you want to hear the bearded lesbian story? Absolutely. Mel says, As long as I don't name the title of the book, the bearded lesbian, I'm okay. (laughs) what happened? I got nothing against gays, nothing like that. So it, it's all positive. So I'm, I'm plugging my book, giving out cards all day long, Malibu. I never stop. one card after another. I walk up to anybody everywhere. I mean, you know, so I'm exhausted. So I'm sitting on third street, Santa Monica, these little chairs. And there's a, a, a man sitting next to me and he starts talking to me. And he says, uh, what's your name? And I said, Jim. And, uh, Anyway, he keeps talking to me, and he said, well, Jim, you're the only friend I got. And I thought, oh, boy, you know, I don't have any friends either, so may I can relate to this guy or whatever. <laughs> so he starts t- telling me, he says, Jim, should I go back to Fresno, you know, California? I says, I don't know, and he says that maybe 100 times. So I think he has OCD, right? So finally, <laughs> I have some sympathy. I said, yes, you should come back to Fresno. <laughs> and then he goes... Why should I go back to Fresno? So, you know, I could go on and on. So finally, uh, it, came, it hit my brain, well, this is not a man. This is a woman who just, you know, has growth like, you're, like you like do. And uh, so anyway, not that I cared, you know, but so she keeps saying, Jim, you're the only friend I got. So, you know, thanks. You know, I'm happy to have you as a friend, you know, because but here's where it gets really weird. So then she says, Jim, do you think I'll ever find a companion? She says that over and over and over and over, you know, OCD, I think, you know, or mental. Well, I have mental problems, so I, I'm, you know, relatable. So I finally said, yes, there is a man for you somewhere. So she gets you motherfucker, I'm a lesbian. I'm looking for a woman. So <laughs> that's <laughs> in my book. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, she's a friend of mine. I kept her from getting arrested before, so anyway, oh, well, so I'm not you making fun of her, you know.
1: <laughs> well, we don't we don't know the motivations of anybody, but we, we we always you know put our motivations on other people. So that's that's awesome though. That's very. Well, cool. I asked
2: Mel about that. He said, "Jim, don't name the book the." La- so no, <laughs> hell no! It's just an encounter. He's a friend of mine, the beard. Of La- so I help her, or, you know him or whatever. You know?
1: Whatever, whatever they prefer, right?
2: No, I mean, I she had some issues, and I and I was always nice. I was the only one who was ever nice to her, so she really appreciated me. And I don't have that many friends because I'm always pushing a book. So you know, anybody <laughs> nice to me, I'm you know, they're my friend. <laughs>
0: you know? One of the things I'm I'm interested in. So you you're hanging out with Mel Brooks and 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 uh, Larry Hankin. When you're with somebody like that too, you know, that has some incredible bodies of work, what's, what, when you're hanging out, what's, what's, what are you mainly talking about? Are you talking about other, you know, what's going just normal stuff? Are you exchanging great stories? Are you talking about a creative process? What, what, what's, what's hanging out with somebody like that? Like,
2: yeah, you know, I get that question asked all the time by people. I, I don't know. I've known those guys so long. I just, like talking to you right now you know i feel like we're friends and you know <laughs> we talk about movies actors uh you know how well Mel, <laughs> mal's always getting on to me trying to keep me straight You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's the only guy i listen to you know <laughs> you've you've had a
1: long career and I, I mean uh probably the best thing you've done is the, the your, your new book right so we want people to read that
2: Yes, but my favorite. Yes.
1: What are what are some of your other highlights that you've had that you you feel like helped you become the James that you are now?
2: Uh, well, you know, uh, I think that you know that the thing that I pride myself in, and I think I would motivate somebody who wants to be a sales or intimidated being selling something, or they you know they're afraid of rejection. You know, I always think, well, I have a th- everybody thinks I have a thick skin you know cuz i do all these things but i don't <laughs> so i always say you know oh okay i'll give you a good example this you know with the internet people can write anything about you sure so i was talking to some woman at a bookstore in la somewhere and i was trying to get her to buy my book you know <laughs> so she wasn't very friendly so i maybe talked to her 30 seconds or a minute you know you could tell like all right move on you know <laughs> next victim or whatever <laughs> so Anyway, well, day later or something, I'm looking on the internet and she wrote something about me on not Twitter but something similar to Twitter, you know, and like, oh, I met the author and he's he had very negative stuff about me. He lied yeah. really because I just didn't even know her, you know. Sure. So I was really, I almost cried, man. I was very sensitive and I called Mel, you know. I said, Mel, you know, I, I I'm I'm very you know my, my stomach, I feel like throwing up, you know. This woman wrote something about me. And here's Mel. This is why he's Mel. He said, did you mention your name? And I said, yeah. (laughs) Did you mention your book? Yeah.
0: Great. You're getting publicity.
2: (laughs) See, Mel looks at the big picture, you know. So he said, are you going to quit promoting your book because of her? I said, no. Well, shut up then. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of conversations we have. (laughs) Very good. Yeah.
0: When you're working on projects, Obviously, you you've uh, you know your the latest book. Do you have like a filter of, or like a stack of ideas, and then you sort of work for on one until it's done, or do you work on multiple ideas and work on a little bit and on this one and a little bit on this one, and then when they're no, done, they're to, done and they go. In?
2: I try to have a tunnel vision, you know, like you know, once I start that first page of a script, then I gotta you can't leave until that's done, you know, which is good, but I. What I do most of my writing in Louisiana, like I'm in Louisiana right now. Okay. I go okay. to the library. Like tonight after I get off this show, I'll go to the library. I'm working on a screen, another screenplay. And when I go to L.A., I'm more the uh, hanging out in Malibu trying to meet director or producer, whatever, trying to get movies made or people to read my script, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I go from one to the other. So now it's strictly writing. I'm in a small town. You know, there's no <laughs> – it's hard to hustle a book around here. You know? <laughs> So I kinda of put myself in that, that situation where I you know could be uh, disciplined for lack of a better word. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's that's really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Louisiana, is it because is it because you have some family or is it because you just like you how d you, you miss Angola there? prison oh, long or story. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ha. Well, ha, ha. oh man, read my book. No. <laughs> I actually inherited a small house here in this small town. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, I don't know anybody. Well, of course I don't have any friends, but that's not good. But anyway, so I come here and that's why I basically showed up and, uh, you know, go back and forth, but this is a good writing spot. Does that make any sense? Sure. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, um, kind of sequester I,
0: yourself, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Actually, I moved to Louisiana when I was about 15, and I had no choice. My mother's – well, my sister married a guy from Louisiana, so I had no choice when I was about 15. But when I was turned – right out of, got out of high school, I took off and just lived in Colorado. I lived all over the place, you know, like a dog that ran out of Colorado. I, for, <laughs> I forgot to put that in my book. Maybe I did. <laughs> that's, that's for the next book, right? Uh, well, you know, my deal now is acting. I've tried out for a few movies and they have a, I have an agent in New Orleans and I do quite a few movies there. And I've told everybody that the scripts, anonymous content is looking at another one of my scripts and books. And uh, Simon Schuster said I should get my book to Netflix. So I got a lot of things out there. But acting is my thing now at my age. You know, I'm my last laugh in life. You, you know, I got to be somewhat <laughs> realistic. So unless they, uh, I would never sell anything unless they said I could be an actor in it now, you know. so oh, wow. That's what I'm focused on. So everything has to do with acting, all this stuff on the books, everything. The final conclusion is I, it's got to be an acting thing there in the middle of all that.
1: What was your favorite acting job?
2: Boy, that's a good one. Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess the last one, maybe the Ponder Heart. I did a PBS movie and I made good money. The and Ponder the Heart. Location. Yeah, in Mississippi. You know, okay. So it's people. And Peter McNichol was in it and... Uh, Mel, who knew, who knows Mel from uh Directly Dead Loving It, I believe.
1: Oh, I so, love that show.
2: Uh, I like anything about Mel. You know?
1: <laughs> so you played Mr. Peacock, so it wasn't the yeah. Clue movie, but you did play that was a Mrs. Peacock and Clue, though. Yeah.
2: No, Mr. Peacock was just kind of a con man, and he tried to get his daughter to marry a risk guy so she would buy him a truck, you know. A real simpleton, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife weighed about four hundred pounds in the movie, <laughs> and she had trouble getting up the steps. You know? <laughs> she, you know, but she kept rehearsing with me, so I had to like her, you know, because <laughs> I had really bad OCD at the time. Oh wow! I don't know how I pulled that movie off, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's a miracle in itself. But
1: so what is? Nobody knew. What's your acting process? Do you uh, do you have to know the? I mean, I know you want to know the script and everything, but what what is your How do you get into the character?
2: Well, you know, I use the OCD to an advantage on that. If I get a script, I'll I'll go over it thousands of times. I can't stop. Oh, wow. You know, I'll go drive around the car, round and and round. I keep repeating it over and over and over. And then when I finally get there, or finally gets doing the job or whatever, then it kind of plays itself out. It's kind of like Robert Mitchum. He was my favorite actor. And he said he just memorize the script and things happen when you when you know the lines and you know. If that make any sense, I don't know.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, uh he's he's also one of our favorite actors. We are Oh
2: great. Well you can't go wrong with Bob.
1: <laughs> we're a huge fan of the uh the movie Night of the Hunter, so
2: <laughs> oh that movie remember it's the a, tattoos oh yeah
1: the tattoos yeah. oh yeah yeah
2: <laughs> that's a classic I didn't yeah. get enough uh, didn't get enough buzz back then now it's kind of a classic people realize that
1: oh I think and you know it was one of those I got I came to late. I always loved Robert Mitchum but I came to a little late and I just can't believe it took me so long not to see that movie because it's so powerful it's oh, such an Shelley amazing place. oh Shelly yeah. she's everybody was great chilling yeah and yeah. uh Uh, Lillian Gish, who would have thought, you know, that you would still be seeing her. She was, she was amazing in that movie, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was an A-plus movie, man. I mean, I think the director was that, what was that British guy, right? Charles Laughlin. Yeah, he only did one movie. Yeah. Because I heard Mitchum say, I don't know why he didn't do another, direct another movie.
1: You know, that's something I should dig into because, uh, that movie just, it's so, that's exactly what I thought. I mean, this man directed this movie and it's such an amazing film that he just did it's like okay i did it i did a great job i'm done you know i don't know
0: yeah <laughs> he, he yeah. did a george costanza yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave, leave him that's, my favorite show.
2: that's my favorite show of all time seinfeld.
0: we <laughs>
2: i can
1: hardly go through a day without thinking of something about either saying a line from him or thinking about it you know so i
2: got a good Jerry jerry seinfeld story in my sure. book you want to hear it or not
1: absolutely yeah
2: so anyway, I'm three years about five years ago. I'm walking around Malibu, and I see Jerry sitting at this little restaurant outside with another guy. And I'm I walk up to Jerry, I kind of and gave him one of my book, my first book. And wow. you know the problem with watching that show thousands of times like me, you actually think you know these people. <laughs> like Jerry's a friend of mine or something, right? right? You know, yeah, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> So I gave the book and he was so, so friendly, you know, and I started walking around the parking lot and I kept thinking, "Eh, I wish he would have said something funny to me. You know, (laughs) he's my hero. So stupid as I am, I finally came back to where he was sitting and he gave the book back to me. Oh, no. Well, he saw the title with OCD all written all over the cover and I'm walking around the parking lot. So, I, I you know, I'm thinking probably you know, this guy's a little off. You know, maybe it's just as well. I give the book back. <laughs> True story. Now, wait, there's a part two to this story. Cool. So, I called Mel up and I'm like, nah, you know, I feel bad. I gave Jerry, the, you should have given the freaking book and got your ass out of there. You know, Mel's always <laughs> the voice of reason. <laughs> so, fast forward a few years ago, last summer, and I see Jerry again. And he's with the same guy who's a writer on something. Wow. Show. So, and I said something about Larry. He said, oh, I'll tell Larry, Hank, and I said, hello. You know, because Larry was on that show. Sure. So I said to uh, Jerry and his friend, I said, listen, I'm, this is my new book, but I'm not going to give it to you, Jerry, because remember a few years ago you gave I gave you a book and you gave it back? He said, yeah, I remember. I said, well, I'm not going to give it to you. I'll give it to this guy sitting next to you. You know, I don't know what the hell I was doing and he they both looked at me funny, you know, obviously. And, uh, and I told Jerry, as I was leaving this time, I get my ass out of there. And I said, my favorite comedian is Robert Klein. I said, my second favorite comedian is Jerry Seinfeld. He said, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So anyway, I got my butt out of there about an hour later, I came back and there was two girls setting up this, setting up this table where next to where Jerry was sitting outside. Uh, it's called the Malibu kitchen. It's, Jerry goes there a lot. So I said, did you have a notice if there's a book on that table? You know, I left the book. She's, Oh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld was there and and he got up and walked away. And then he said, Oh, I forgot my book. So Jerry went and got my book. So,
1: Oh, very good. Awesome.
2: Oh, it's a good story. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's he wins weird. in the end. <laughs> 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 he was a hard I mean, sell, but it took a few years, but you got it. Yeah, you got it. Too. Yeah, well, I'm
2: determined. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I told him he had a chapter in it too, and maybe he was curious what I wrote about it. <laughs> but I updated the book since and now Jerry has a happy ending in the book. So <laughs> I, I really love that show and uh, you know, I still watch that show.
0: Ooh, it's a timeless one. I, it's just it, you can relate to something on there.
2: Yeah. I could watch that. Well, I have. I've watched every episode. It's, uh, I couldn't count the number of times I've watched that show. And I, think, I know Larry too was on it, so yeah.
1: Gonna... And he was great on it, by the way. Yeah, I he think was. he was so good.
2: I you think, know, well, me and Larry go to eat a lot of times. We go to uh, Whole Foods in Venice.
1: Oh, okay. You know,
2: and we sit out front drink coffee and bullshit about riding and all that. And he gets recognized a lot for friends more, more than anything. You know, you know business yeah. Business, which I never watched that show, to be honest.
1: I knew that he was on it. I've never seen that episode that he was on
0: or the episodes.
2: Well, he had a recurring role. Okay. That's yeah. why I recognize him. yeah.
0: And he told me that clearly. Be- Patton doesn't know what's going on. No. on that. Yeah. <laughs> <That show. laughs> yeah. Well, I don't blame him. I
2: wouldn't know either. <laughs> for it's not my kind of show. You know.
0: <laughs> so James, I was just going to ask you real quick. You, you say you want to do acting. What is it about acting that you like to do? What is it? What do you like? Comedic act, uh, the aspect of, of of performing in front of people. What What's the appeal of acting for you?
2: Well. I think it's more for selfish reasons. I want to be in something pretty good and somebody's going to walk up to me on the street and say, hey, you're so good in that, whatever. And that's kind of motivation to me. I wouldn't want many people to come up to me, but maybe one like Larry gets sometimes. So it gets attention. Maybe I'm selfish or something. I don't know. That's one of my thinkings.
1: <laughs> but acting is such a neat thing where you can be somebody else and then you can have, and a lot of people can see it. You know, a lot of people can look at your work. I, I, You know, painting doesn't have that anymore. I mean, you could do a YouTube video, but that doesn't really have it. But if you're on a series or something like that, that's a hit, and you're you're on there, you know, I think about the little... There's people, when I watch movies and stuff, there's usually like one or two people I focus on, and I go, wow. You know, yeah. usually, hopefully, I look for that person to go... I look for that person to go, wow, that was amazing, you know. So, I, you know, I can definitely see... Where the draws from? I'm floored at how much you go for it. You know how much you yeah. you put yourself out there. I think that's amazing. Oh,
2: I don't know how I do it sometimes, man. I'm telling you, yeah. I, you take a beating when you're doing that twelve hours a day in L.A. and Malibu. You know, I just can't stop. You know. <laughs> I'll tell you another good story. Yeah. I'm walking across the street in Santa Monica, which is near LA. And uh, I see a woman across the street and she's got a book in her hand. So I run across the street, you know, I run past traffic. I don't give a shit. And uh, I say, oh, you like to read. You should read my book. And she looks at me funny. And I give her my card, blah, blah, blah. She said, you don't remember me? And I go, uh, yeah, yeah uh, you, you should. Uh, yeah. I I, I I panicked. you know." <laughs> she said, you don't remember me doing. She almost started crying seriously wow. she said i i bought the book from your book from you last week in the barnes and noble in santa monica and you autographed the book and you don't remember me oh jeez, wow. like, oh, you know I, I try to tell her I, hey she doesn't know that i'm just nonstop walking <laughs> up to strangers all day long but still i felt really sick to my stomach about that and i promised myself you know whenever somebody's nice enough to get my book don't you know try to talk to them for a minute or two you know get some kind of like i know you and so i learned something from that you know i tried to anyway
0: yeah i think there's a a real lesson in in terms of when people invest in you even if you know even if you're, you're sort of spotty on on stuff you know make them feel important yeah and that goes a long way Because, you know, some of these people they they think, uh, you know, your interaction with them is that 20 seconds with them, that two minutes with them, that that's going to be important. So, yeah, I learned a lesson
2: there. Yeah. (laughs) I try. Anybody's nice enough to get my book. I'm really going to, you know, at 10 bucks, they put it out of their pocket, you know?
1: So did you ask her how she liked it?
2: Well, it was it was just it, it was pretty it was awkward. So sad it was yeah. time to get out of there, you know? yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kinda of like the Seinfeld thing, you just gotta go. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I could tell that this was really going downhill. <laughs> you know. And I don't blame her. Hell, I'm, you know? So well, yeah, I learned a lesson. I try. I mean I'm not perfect, but I try No, that's
1: to- yeah, absolutely. I think that's another thing too that we have to remember that we aren't perfect, you know, that you wanna be you want to be there for people that actually support you, you know, It's uh, but it's tough sometimes.
2: Oh, well, I got a good Jeff Bridges story. You want to hear this Absolutely. crazy Absolutely. He's in my book, too. I hope you guys read the book.
1: I'm going to get it, yeah.
2: All right, you're my friend forever. My book. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so I'm driving to Malibu, which I never do. I always catch the bus because I like meeting and push, pushing my books on the bus, too. You know? So I'm driving because I have to wash clothes or something. And I could pull up next to Jeff Bridges on the Pacific Coast Highway, headed towards Malibu, and I, I met his dad at that same tennis tournament that I met Clint Eastwood. Oh, Remember wow. years ago I told you I was headed to Hollywood? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: up Lake Tahoe, a couple of you. Anyway, so I saw Jeff, so I started yelling, at him, "Hey, I'm a friend of your dad, you know Lloyd, you know great." And he stares yeah, so, so, So I said, oh, "I want to give you my book," and he, you know, I'm a writer. And he looked at me funny again, but. I jumped out of my car. Traffic was zooming past, and, everything. and he looked at me like, "Man, you're gonna get run over!" And I, I threw the book into this window, <laughs> and then I made sure after I did that, I didn't follow him. Make sure I so he didn't think I'm stalking. Him yeah. or else. Hey, you gotta like if you're gonna brag about mail, you gotta tell the other side of the coin too, right? There you go. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's. Really, yeah, it's it's and it it's all
1: and it's all good until the cops come get you, right?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know what they get you for uh, giving out a book. Do you? No, with your stalking.
1: <laughs> oh, I would never do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I have no interest.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Actually, you want to hear a stalking story? Oh, anyway, I got too many stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, give us one more. Give us one more. the stalking story, sounds interesting. Well, it's
2: not really stalking. You, uh, Helen Bonham Carter. You yeah, know
1: absolutely. At- yeah.
2: I met her and Tim Burton. This was many years ago in Malibu. Of course, Malibu, that's the hangout if you want to get in the movie business. So I gave Helen a book. And at this point, I didn't have a movie option. So I was, my stupid thinking was if I give a book to somebody big like that, they might read it and see a movie, right? Under yeah. My brain. And uh, so I gave Matthew McConaughey one too. I met him. Anyway, getting back to those two. So I gave him the book. And then I, I ran into Tim later and I said, Well, I want to give you a book as well. And he said, Well, no, you gave one to Helen. That's good enough. So in a few days later, I'm in, back in Malibu, and I run into Helen at a hair, uh, what do you call it, a hair place or something, Vietnamese thing where they do the nail or something like oh, that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and I said, Helen, you remember me? She said, yeah, you, you're the guy who wrote that book about OCD. And I said, yeah. She said, oh, I love the book. It's fascinating. So I think, wow, that's pretty cool. So I'm feeling good. I don't want to bother the woman, you know, got my ass out of there. <laughs> so a few days later, I run into Helen again in the bookstore. Wow. So I wasn't intentionally trying To run into her You know So then again I ran into her at another store And I called Mel And Mel said Get your ass out of this She's gonna think you Or something Which I wasn't So I said I, I said I promised myself If I even went Near Helen I'm gonna take off The other way And <laughs> just as luck Would have I saw her Coming around the corner and she almost slips and falls, and she's just, oh shit! And then she sees me. So, <laughs> so I said, oh fuck it! I took off and <laughs> stayed away from Malibu for about two weeks. <laughs> so I put that in the book too. I mean, you got to tell the good, the bad, and the ugly, man. Right? There you go. Even though I meant no harm to her, and she did like my book, so I had, a, you know, anybody likes my book. I have a, you know, I have good feelings about them. For
1: That's amazing how many uh, celebrities that celebrity. you run into there. I know.
2: I actually met a paparazzi, and I told him about all these people I was met meeting. And goes, "How the hell do you meet all these people? I'm a paparazzi. I don't meet these people." And he gave me his card, said so he'd pay me, and I'm like, of course, I threw it in the trash. And yeah, like, he ran into somebody, but yeah. So they actually did me a favor. Some of the paparazzi I would see somebody. In the, oh, like Anthony Hopkins. Wow. He actually read my script. Really nice man. Oh wow, very so, good. That, yeah, so he's in my book too, Tony. If you know your friends, you call him Tony. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. James, we're not going to keep you all night.
1: Thank okay. you so much for coming tonight. This has been a blast talking to you about all this stuff. Do, do you have anything you want to sell or there's anything that you want uh, anybody to know about? Like maybe a book or no. anything?
2: Yes, The Diary of a Manic <laughs> OCD Bookseller. That's my number Absolutely. one book.
1: You that got sounds that great. down there? On yes. on your website? It's a diary and I'm going to post a link to it in uh, when we, uh, we put this podcast up. Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller.
2: I'm counting on you to get
1: it, James Bailey. I will be getting it tonight <laughs> when I go home. Oh,
2: and you can email me tomorrow and show me where you got it.
1: <laughs> I'll take a picture. You, you know, I, I was, <laughs> I was running through my, I was running through my mind, thinking, you know, maybe, uh, maybe if I send you a, a Sazy, I could send the book and you could sign it and send it back to me. We'll see about that, though.
2: Well, yeah, well, if you get it in my book, uh, you know, if the movie comes out, I'll get you a small part in the movie. I'll uh, there something. you go. That's a deal.
1: <laughs> I love that hey, idea.
2: I put that in my book. You could pee on my face if you bought my book. I don't care. You're my friend.
1: So. There you go. I might not take you up on that, but hey, oh, man, that's, I'm very, that's loyal. <laughs>
2: very loyal. Very oh, loyal. I appreciate that, that. <laughs> James. This has <laughs> been
1: bye, a, a real blast tonight. So yeah. uh, you have a great evening, and we'll hopefully we'll talk down the road.
2: Yeah, I'm going to tell Mel that you were good.
1: Hey, tell him that, yeah, months. yeah. <laughs> and if you know, if he wants to go slumming, he can be on our show. I don't mind. So. <laughs> Get my book. Everything starts with getting my book. That sounds good. That's what we'll do first. <laughs> so That's the key tomorrow, to that night, unlocks the... I will email you tomorrow. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Have a good night. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Bye. Thank
0: you. Thanks for hanging out with us on the True Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please visit us at Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay true and stay creative. You're too late.
2: track